This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. The phony war is over. The writ will be dropped tomorrow, and that will mark the start of the official election campaign. Last night, of course, we had the first leaders' debate. We're going to devote the entire show to that event and its importance with strategists from all three parties. And, of course, we want to hear from you. Now, we always hear from listeners who have made up their minds. But interestingly, on our Zoomer Radio Facebook page this morning, we heard from a lot of undecided people who said eh, the debate didn't actually help them that much. Now, partisans are welcome, of course, but undecideds out there, please call and also let us know if you heard anything that would make you change your mind. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Very quickly, my take on last night. I think Andrea Horvath won. She was extremely confident, passionate, and likable, and really made people take notice. Doug Ford, I think, held his own, but to my mind, he didn't enhance his position. And I did not hear anything from Kathleen Wynne that could help her dig out of the deep hole the Liberals are in. But that was last night. This morning, she took a do-over to a question Doug Ford asked, a question she said woke her up at three in the morning. Take a listen. He said, when did I lose my way? Kathleen, when did you lose your way? And um, I said at the time, I think something about the policies that we've put in place and the work that we've been doing and how proud I am of the work that we've been doing. But I want to answer it more directly because I haven't lost my way. I've never lost my way. And I talked this morning about uh, where I learned and how I learned that um, giving back, that building a society that is inclusive, that gives everyone a fair shot, how I learned that. And I learned it really young. You know, I learned it as a child. And, and I can trace that right through my time as a teenager, through as a young mom, as a school trustee, then as an MPP, and as a minister, and now as premier. Okay, so let's start with that. How deep is the hole the Liberals are in, and uh, is there any possibility of a comeback with Kathleen Wynne? I'm going to introduce our panel with me, Liberal Bob Richardson, Senior Counsel at National Public Relations, Andrew Cash, former MPP and co-founder of the Urban Worker Project, and John Capobianco, a conservative strategist and public affairs lead at Fleischman Hillard High Road. Welcome to you all. Hi, Libby. Hi, Libby. Nice to be here. Okay, great. One high. (laughs) We weren't missing a high. So let's start with you, Bob. Well, uh, I I, uh, thought uh, 
a, a quick review of the three uh, leaders. I thought uh, Ford did a good job last night. Uh, he was very scripted. He didn't get himself into trouble. He has weak knowledge of provincial issues, and I think, in, in fairness, he's never stepped foot in the legislature, and you kind of feel that when you see him, but I think he did okay. I thought Andrea Horvath had a very good performance. She's a bit of a spring in her step, and she knows the issues, and she seems to be comfortable in her own skin. I think she's having a, a good run of things at the moment, and it was not a great night for Kathleen Wynne. Uh, I thought she sounded bureaucratic. She tends to get into the weeds on issues. Um, and I don't think there was a clear defense of, of the liberal record on jobs in the economy, on health care and education. And there is a clear defense that you can mount if you're the leader of the party on that. So uh, she needs to do better if she's going to dig herself out of, uh, out of the hole. And uh, last night was not great. Uh, what did you think of her clip this morning before we move on to the other guys? I, I think it was better, and, and there, was a, there was a passion there that was lacking last night. Uh, last night, she was a very competent assistant deputy minister. Uh, what we need is a party leader to show up. Okay, let's go to John Capobianco. What did you make of it? Uh, I think Bob's assessment is, is actually quite bang on, I think, uh, and I wouldn't disagree with uh, with him on, on a lot of those things. I think um, the the clip you just uh, played with uh, with the Premier uh, sort of, you know, recanting her, her or sort of changing her answer to that question, I think is indicative of the fact that if she would have given that yesterday, uh, it might have showed a bit of a personality and a bit of a, bit of a passion uh, that she lacked in the debate. The fact that she had to come back the next day uh, to, uh, to, um, to answer that, I think, is just shows that that she was very much on the defensive uh, yesterday uh, and you know when you have to explain uh, certain things as much as, as she did le- yesterday I think it gets lost uh, in, in translation and I think it just goes over over folks heads uh, in a sense that you know they just they just want to see somebody who um, has a vision and is prepared to to lead the, the province for another four or five years which I think she didn't do a, a, a job at all yesterday I think uh, Doug uh, performed well or as well as uh, as most people's expectations, I would imagine, going into the debate. Um, I think he still is, is you know, learning and, and getting up on some of the, on some of the policy issues uh, facing the province, but yet I think they all tried to poke him uh, in, in the sense of, of wanting to see if he would overreact or, uh, but I think he maintained his composure. Looked uh, looked like a leader, uh, and I think uh, did a lot to solidify his base. Um, I think Horvath did. Uh, Andrew Horvath did do well. I think she came across much more natural. I think the pressure was certainly off her and and on the other two, uh, in some ways, and that sort of is, sort of dis- was displayed in, in her uh, in her. Um, Answers and the way she kind of took on both of them, and you know, and it was easy for for the NDP leader to be able to say, "Well, look at the two of them, you know, same old, same old." With me, you'll get a different type of change, and I think that was an easy message for her to say yesterday. Okay, Andrew Cash. Well, I wouldn't disagree with anything that's been said uh, so far by by any of the three of you. I I think what um, uh, you know what I saw last night was. A, a leader of the NDP who's very comfortable in her own skin right now, uh, very comfortable with the, with the offer that she's making to Ontarians. And, you know, uh, that comfortability, uh, you know, you can't, you can't hide that. And when you don't have it, it, it comes through as well. And and I think when I when I uh, watched uh, Doug Ford, I was surprised at how 
at how stilted he he actually was. Uh, he didn't look all that comfortable. Uh, he didn't look very or sound really very sure of himself. He kept it pretty quiet, and I think that uh, one of the things that he has going for him is the um, is uh, the bar of low expectations, uh, which um, you know will be should be quite easy for him to overcome. And you know that's a that's a potent. Uh, political tool that he has right now, um, and and you know I I think that nobody uh, was surprised last night that um, that there was a pile on Kathleen Wynne. Um, how did she do? I you know I think that that you know these things sometimes you know voters just you know make their decisions <laughs> sometimes you know just irrationally in the sense that it, it may not matter what Kathleen Wynne does or says during this campaign. And we all know, yes, campaigns matter. And in fact, I think this one crucially matters. And I think it's 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 looking to me like we're into a two-party race here. Well, uh, I, and, I and would... that is a, a race between the Conservatives and the NDP. I, I, uh, I'm starting to agree with you, and it's interesting uh, that Andrew brought up expectations, Bob, because the expectations, and I've been saying this, for Kathleen Wynne are so high. She's a brilliant campaigner. She's a great debater. You keep hearing this. Well, uh, you know, so she really has to be great to live up to what people are saying about her. And um, last night she wasn't doing it. Well, I think that's uh, I think that's very tr- true. In 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 her defense, I will say this: that was one awkward format last night. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and Do you mean physically with them standing with nothing to lean on? Just the whole, I think that was on purpose to make the, them a little uncomfortable. Just the whole thing. It was very Toronto centric. Well, this that was, was a, that was the idea of the debate. But but this was a debate on Ontario with Ontario leaders, and generally you would lead with jobs in the economy, healthcare, and education. Those are the big three in Ontario. Instead, the first question was on de-escalation. I thought that was really so, weird, so, frankly, even poor, for a Toronto poor debate. Poor Doug Ford, uh, you know, yeah. looked like, what is this about? And I, you know, I, I, I and I don't, uh, I don't blame him. Anyways, I thought it was very odd. Uh, in 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 her defense, uh, I, I don't think the format uh, played to her strengths either. But uh, she's got some work to do, and she, you know, yeah. and she also needs to defend. The liberal record. She tried. She tried to. Now, I, I just want to pick up on something there with John Capobianco. Um, at the beginning of the debate, Doug Ford, for close to five minutes, basically was silent, said nothing. Was that because he was uncomfortable? Or was that, um, was that strategy? I mean, people were really wondering, was it because he had no idea about the subjects they were on, which was de-escalation, and then carding, which uh, I thought was already banned. Uh, John, what did you make of that? Yeah, no, I, I sense that too, I think. Uh, but I, I, I would say that, you know, if, if anything, the, the Toronto-centric uh, sort of debate um, uh, would be in his uh, wheelhouse. I think the fact that he mm-hmm. uh, was a councillor uh, for so many years and, and ran for mayor and all of that, I think he's, he's actually much more comfortable, I would say, in, in more city or urban issues uh, in some cases, just by, by virtue of, of his political career over the last uh, number of years, so um, I don't know. I think it might have been just him getting himself settled. It might, it might have been the fact that you know this was his first, you know, sort of TV debate um, as, as, a, as a national, as a provincial leader, 
Um, you know, Doug's been in debates before, for sure, against uh, John Tory when they're both running for mayor, and and of course uh, uh, during the leadership process. Um, so he's not, you know, he's not unfamiliar with debating and debates. But I think it was it might have been his first one, so he might have been just getting settled. Uh, I thought he came on strong after that. I thought he, um, uh, but I got to agree with Bob though. I thought the format, uh, you know, where you know sometimes Andrew Horvath had uh, had Kathleen's back to look at for for most of the debate. Uh, in some cases, made it for a, a sort of an interesting dynamic in some ways, and that throws people off as well. I think, uh, given the fact that they were told that there were seats to, with with tables, that they might have had some notes uh, at those tables, um, you know, and, and all of a sudden now they're standing without notes and, and uh, improvising. Which, and their you know, hands. I mean, I mean, it's very. I mean, I thought. I thought if anything, uh, it was to put them all on the spot and make them a little uncomfortable. I don't know. Well, they should have been told that. that at the beginning. I think, because you know, in debates, you got to be. You know, it's more of a. It's it's a it's a very much a mental game in a sense that you've got to be prepared for whatever the, the logistics are. But nonetheless, I thought, uh, um, you know, I thought that uh, I'm sure that won't happen again. And Andrew, um, so uh, yeah. what do you think? Did Andrea take advantage of Doug's discomfort at the beginning? I, I don't know if she, you know, planned to take advantage of it, but was, it, it was just very obvious um, that uh, there was one person up there that was very comfortable uh, a with what she was saying, and B with um, with getting getting into the mix with the other two. Um, I do want to um, you know point out that I, I I thought that that the Toronto centric nature of the de- of the debate last night was important, and it was important because you know we're part of a, a region of six million here, um, and and oftentimes when we debate Ontario politics, that fact and the importance of that and the, imp- and the political heft of that sometimes gets lost in our um, rightful, you know, uh, desire to, to uh, present, you know, sort of pan-provincial policy measures. But we have significant, specific urban issues for which you know the, the the next premier of Ontario is going to play a major role. So I thought, first of all, that that it was a good thing that we we could hear these three leaders really duke it out on Toronto issues. I thought that you know I was surprised to see Doug Ford uh, take a backseat on on many of the issues. It, it was it, he seemed you know very reluctant to to get in it and you know it does strike me that you know this is a campaign that that's very short you know the last one i ran um federally in 2015 was 3 months long this is this is what 30 days uh, is this really um the kind of thing where a leader gets to learn on the job uh you know it's already been said um in this conversation that you know well you know he's not really up on all the provincial matters. Yeah, but he's been he campaigning since uh, since he won the leadership. The the race has been on. I mean, whether no, no, or not well, it's is, the official this, election. No, but this is this is my this is my point though. Is that uh, is it really are we really saying that the the leader of of one of the two parties that's 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 going to win this election is not up on provincial issues? And he's the leader of the party. I mean, it sounds bizarre to me that that um, that comment, but it did look evident last night that he wasn't up on the issues. I think that's a concern for the conservatives, uh, absolutely going forward. Okay. Well, um, just want to take one more uh, comment here before we go to the phones. Uh, 
and uh, you know, again, I thought it was it was good to have Toronto issues. Of course, that's my background, but I thought the Toronto issues that they led with were definitely not what is top of mind. You know, when they got to affordable housing, way at the back end of the debate, uh, I think that was a little more to the point, Bob. Yeah, but when we have uh, but, uh, when we have a city that is uh, uh, majority racialized. Uh, and and carding in many communities is a serious issue. I thought it was I thought it was appropriate. That, I, I, I'm, that, I'm that gonna uh, let 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 Bob uh, jump gonna, in here. I'm going to disagree with Andrew on uh, on this one. I mean, the key city issues are transit, uh, uh, fixing our public housing, uh, 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 better services. There's a whole variety. There's a whole variety of things like that that are very very important. And uh, those are those are the ones that you should be talking about to begin the uh, the debate with a question on de-escalation. In my opinion, was bizarre. Okay, uh, hang on, everybody. We're going to take a few calls. We've got Gordon in Sarnia. Hello, Gordon. Hello, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? Good. Thank you. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll just give you my my impression of the three um, leaders last night. I thought Doug Ford did actually very well, considering his his uh, position in relative to provincial politics versus municipal. The, the one thing that struck me was Doug was a gentleman. He didn't interrupt. Um, uh, the other two were were constantly yelling over top of each other, and, and I noticed that Doug stood back. And at one point in time, Kathleen Wynne was talking, and and he was even nodding his head and clearly listening to what she had to say. So I was actually quite impressed with Doug Ford. And, and uh, you know, I believe he'll make a good premier. What I saw of Kathleen Wynne last night just further uh, convinced me of her total lack of integrity. And I don't know if you, if you uh, watched the City News clip, but City News had a panel, and after there was one gentleman on carding, and he said, no, she absolutely lied. So it, uh, it just reinforced what I already believed about her. Okay. As far as Horvath, uh, I think she's playing politics. I think she thinks that if she can mobilize enough people, that the government is is potentially within her reach in a minority government situation. But uh, I really got turned off by her last night when she said to Ford, if you have the guts. And I thought, what a mean-spirited way to approach this situation. Uh, certainly not the kind of person that I want to have my, as my premier. When challenged Ford, and you know, how are you going to be more efficient? Well, that's pretty simple. All he has to do is do the exact same things that have been done in the past, except avoid things like the gas plant scandal. He'll save a billion there. E-health, he'll save another billion. Orange Air Ambulance, he'll save another billion. And Just like that, huh, Gordon? Gordon, thanks for your call. Okay. Um, uh, well, you know, in terms of him coming off as not being a bully, I think that was one of the probably the main areas of his coaching, uh, where he was told that that he better make sure that nothing like that uh, comes off. Uh, let's go to Bernie in Mississauga. Hi, Bernie. Hi. How are you doing, Libby? Fine. How are you? Uh, Libby, I go way back in the politics and. Uh 
Uh, I was really enthusiastic, and uh, I was down this election because it looked like it was going to be a coronation of the Tories in Ontario. But now I think uh, the spark that Andrew provided last night for that debate and her look and her fresh approach, I think we got a fight on in Ontario now between the NDP and the Conservative Party. And Doug Ford won't be coordinated. He's going to have to work very hard to get it. She's a very competent politician. Okay. Thank you for that, Bernie. Okay. Okay. Um, we are, uh, John Capobianco, what would you like to leave us with? Because we're going to have a very small changing of the guard here. Uh, well, thanks, Libby. I, I appreciated your caller's comments. I think uh, Gordon, the first caller, I think uh, in particular, I think uh, sort of hit it on the hit, hit the nail on the head. But um, I just I just think that uh, this is you know elections do matter. Um, certainly, go, uh, uh, Doug and and his team do not believe it's a coronation. Never thought it's going to be a coronation. They know they're going to have to work hard on it. I think Doug is going to do well. I think it really was a good a test for him uh, yesterday to come out and, and do what he did. Uh, and I think he'll uh, you know there's a couple more. Basically, he'll do progressively better. But I thought he he did well last night, and and uh, is is prized to uh, to be the next premier. Okay, John Capobianco, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Libby. And oh. I'll say bye to my two friends as well. Okay, okay bye bye. Bye, uh, everybody else. Hang on. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, uh, and after the break, we are going to have a little switcheroo, but only in our conservative strategist, Mike Van Solen from Navigator, is here. The lines are open. We're talking about last night's debate and the campaign going forward. We want to hear from you, especially um, if you're undecided. Did the debate help or did you hear anything to make you change your mind about anything? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And we will be right back with more. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Okay, everybody, we are back. We are talking about the debate last night. We are taking your calls. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. We've had a a small changing of the conservative guard. Mike Van Solen from Navigator is joining us. And Mike... So far, everybody seems to agree that actually maybe Andrea Horvath won that debate and Doug Ford held his own, did what he had to do. Uh, Do you have a different view? Well, I I guess I largely agree. Um, But, you know, I don't know that Andrea won it. I think she did. I think there was a real opportunity for her uh, for a bunch of reasons. The way the way this thing was set up um, with uh, one, everybody going after Doug, Kathleen being so much, uh, uh, you know, on on her heels and forced to defend her record throughout. Um, I think uh, in some respects, not not to take anything away from Andrea, but I think she walked through an open door. It was a real opportunity for her her to say, hey, I'm the better change. Uh, So the night was right for her. She certainly performed expectations. I've always felt the NDP had a real opportunity in this election to... uh to move into the second place, and if they could, uh, you know, if the, it, the the challenge for them, and I, I, I think it's the same for the Liberals. The challenge for them, 
where, with where the polls are today, is that by two weeks out, so two weeks from today, to be in second place. Because I think for both the Liberals and the NDP, their pitch to voters will come to be, we are the party that can best beat Doug Ford. So they need to get to second place. Um, and with the so much baggage for the Kathleen uh, win to carry around in this election, look, 15 years in, op- in government is a huge opportunity. Uh, but with that comes a lot of things you have have to defend and that's just that's just the reality of, of how this plays out. So I think Andrew did well. I think Doug did really well too in and I don't know how much you have discussed it already, but that was such an odd format <laughs> and so awkward, uh, yeah. the way they were all placed. Uh, the set looked really awesome until they started the actual show, uh, and and it, it, it was just a, a really odd construction I, of, I of, of a night. I thought that it was done on purpose to make them a little uncomfortable and to be kind of on their toes because they were standing there with yeah, yeah. no place to hide, no place yeah. to lean. Well, top marks then. Um, and I, I'm surprised, uh, you know, presumably they talked to the can- the can- Campaigns about what they planned for the for the night, but it just struck me as a, I, I, how awkward it would have been to stand there and the dynamics of uh, Kathleen uh, being between. At times, Kathleen could shut Andrea right out just by turning her back. Yeah. And uh, for Doug, I think there was a real risk in debating two women. Uh, just he's a physically imposing guy already, uh, so uh, I just think there's some challenges that come with the, the posing and the posturing that comes with that event. I I, I think he. Uh... Uh, did a very good job with, um, you know, especially given the size of him, with not appearing to be a bully. He kept his voice down. Yeah. Uh, he sort of hung back a few times. I think that whoever coached him on that did a really good job. Yeah. Um, and Andrew, well, did you find that? That 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 he did a good job in terms of uh, of of maintaining sort of uh, uh, his composure in uh, in that physical space. Yes. Yeah, I I thought he did. Uh, if that was what uh, they were trying to accomplish, I think that they accomplished that. And uh, and uh, you know I'd agree that it is uh, you know a particularly um, you know difficult issue for him. Uh, debating two women, uh, given you know, and given the the way the the set was uh, constructed, I think that that was uh, was tricky. Um, I did want to just raise the one other you know one other issue when we're trying to assess you know how how did the three leaders do, and that was the polling that that city did uh, before the uh, debate and after around who who do you support, and and at the beginning of the debate. Um, uh, Doug Ford had 42%, Kathleen Wynne had 24%, and Andrea had 27 At the end of the debate, um, Andrea had 43%, Doug Ford had 39%, and Wynne had 14%. And, yeah, of course, these are imprecise polls, but it, it, it did give you a good example of, of what, what is needed to be accomplished by Andrea Horvath, which is to convince those that are unconvinced or undecided to come her way, and I think she showed last night that she's capable of doing that. Yeah, you know, um, it's interesting. There was another poll conducted immediately after by a polling firm, so presumably a little more scientific, which showed Doug Ford in the lead. But uh, yesterday, one of our guests made a point that most people didn't watch the thing the whole way through, and they will be relying on 
our reports, uh, which only have certain moments, and spin doctors like the guys I'm looking at uh, to uh, tell us what they think happened, and, and therein might lie the difference. Um, I, I think I have one caller who is undecided since we're talking about that. Let's go to Roxana in Guelph. Hi, Roxana. Uh, hello. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I am not happy with the three representatives who are... Um, candidate in this uh, election. Uh, I don't think any of them will change something in good. Uh, the fight is just for who wins at the moment. Uh, I don't see um, anything to lead me to believe that uh, they will do uh, something for Canadians or they will change any system. They will go on the same line they always did. And uh, what, now, what, are you, what are you looking for? What, what were you looking to hear? Okay, there are three main issues right now on my heart. One is uh, where you work. So uh, the, most of the companies in Canada, uh, they don't have work for people. Either they lay off a lot or they close facilities. So when they say that the uh, layoff rate is low, uh, that's not true. Uh, another thing is with the education system. They all talk about uh, not laying off teachers. Nobody talks about real performance. And please forgive me, but Canadian education system is really weak in comparison with, for example, East European countries. You learn in high school here what you learn at grade five and six in East European countries. It's very poor, it's not performance. You can't even go to a contest, international contest, because you won't win. Okay, and what's your third issue, Roxana, before we uh, let our experts respond? What's your third issue? I'm sorry, I'm on a cell phone, and it's really, really hard to hear. Oh. The third issue is about um, health system. For example, they work a lot in hospitals with um, volun volunteers. Now, for example, there okay, are Roxana, Roxana, so you're worried about the health system to sum things up? Yes, health okay. system, it's an issue. Okay, now, so I'm, I'm just going to give people a chance to respond to that. Thank you very much for that, okay? Thank you. Okay. All and, right, Bob. And I'm going to disagree with Roxana pretty much on all three issues. Number one, on the issue related to work, we have the lowest unemployment we've had in 20 years. And it's not just in Toronto. In places like Brantford, when you go out there, now, they're having trouble getting workers at some plants in, in some areas. It's not perfect. It never is. But uh, the employment situation is about as good as it's been at any time in the last 20 years. Her second point on education, uh, with great respect, she's wrong. Uh, we have a very good education what system. What about all those standardized Con tests Con where we don't do well? by the OECD. We have some of the highest participation rates uh, for, uh, for graduation at, at high school and some of the highest participation rates for post-secondary education. So, uh, in actual fact, uh, we're the envy of a lot of the world when it comes to our uh, our education system. And third, on healthcare, um, I think she's right. The healthcare system uh, always needs work. 
this government has done a lot of work on the healthcare. Six thousand new uh, uh, new nurses, dozens of new hospitals across the province, great new medical school in northern Ontario, making a real difference in rural areas and in the north. So there's a whole variety of things that have been done, but healthcare is one of those things you can never do enough. So there's a lot more that needs to be done there. Uh, too. Well, I think that Roxana's points show also that even if there's one situation in the macro, right. Uh, it doesn't necessarily reflect somebody's sure. local local problems and local observations. And on the education, there have been issues with uh, our students not doing well in standardized testing. Uh, so, Mike, what would you say to Look, her I, concerns? I, I think Roxana is is touching on probably three of the three of the possibly biggest four issues in this election. So, yeah. so like she's she's right on what what matters: the economy, education, and healthcare. Um, and, and I realize the the rosy uh, sunshine and lollipops picture that uh, Mr. Richardson paints uh, for the, of this <laughs> province, uh, but yet we find the current government uh, sitting way behind in the polls. And so obviously there's anxiety about these things that Roxana is reflecting. With respect to jobs, particularly outside of the GTA, there's a lot of insecurity. We have lost so many manufacturing jobs. I have a lot of family members in the, in that live in that world, and it, we've really seen a hollowing out of sort of the industrial uh, industrial jobs. Uh, but they and aren't coming jobs. back, Mike. Those jobs aren't coming and back. By the way, look, it is a po- it is a policy in choice. Michigan, in Ohio, in New Jersey, in New York. Sure, if you want to look at the jurisdiction, so Ontario yeah. wasn't just sitting out there as the lone with well, great exactly. respect. With great respect. If you, if you want to hold happen. yourself up against Michigan, like let's hold ourselves up against let's, let's hold ourselves up against here. Germany, for example, a country that has uh, made the right policy decisions to keep manufacturing while also providing high cost uh, high cost jobs, uh, and they've done that by making a couple of great policy choices. For example, not putting the cost of, of green energy uh, schemes on the back of the manufacturing base. That's just one way they've kept that important cost of uh, energy down. Um, uh, look, healthcare is an issue. We all know this. It's it's a tough one to break the back of that. I, I think Doug's expressed it well. Um, and education, wh- what I know is the Liberal government has poured tons and tons of money at this. They've thrown money at collective bargaining agreements time and time again, yet the outcomes haven't improved. So they I throw just think, money at everything. I just think it becomes a, a value for money uh, question. Okay. And uh, Andrew Cash, so we're talking about the issues that matter here. <laughs> My question is... <laughs> Do the issues matter in this election, or is it a? It, it seems to be it's going. Uh, who do you like less, uh, Kathleen Wynne or Doug Ford? That that seems to me the ballot question at the moment, Andrew. Well, I I do think that the main ballot question is change. Uh, well, let me reframe that. The main ballot question is who uh, do you want to deliver the change. And what kind of change do you want? And I think that uh, Doug Ford and Andrea Horvath are offering two very different kinds of change. But if I could just double back on something, a couple of things that that that, the, that my um, colleagues have said, uh, you know, I, I think Roxana touched on on three of the main issues. I'd put environment slash energy up there as well. Um, but you know, when you look at jobs, and and she said something I think very interesting. She said that, you know, companies aren't hiring. And, and you know, anecdotally, uh, this, is, this is what you, what you hear and what you see. There is a disconnect between the stats and what's actually going on out there. And, and what I'd, I'd want to say is that one full-time job does not equal another full-time job. 
In other words, there's a big difference between a job at, at McDonald's and a job uh, working for, for um, you know, Honda or, um, or building cars for Ford. Um, and, and that's where we see the real sort of insecurity and precarious nature of the job market and the jobs economy right now in Ontario. And, you know, I noticed Doug Ford saying something last night about how, you know, uh, when he was at the city, they cut, uh, um, uh, you know, budgets, but they didn't uh, lose a single job. But when you look at the difference between, you know, a, uh, a municipal job uh, <clears throat> versus one that's been sh- uh, privatized, as in uh, as, as what they did with, with garbage, uh, you know that those two jobs are completely different in terms of security, in terms of pay, in terms of benefits, uh, pension, and and this is the but kind the of garbage. Job. Uh, the uh, privatized garbage gets collected just fine. Andrew, um, oh, we've sure. got to take it a gets, quick break. It gets, it gets collected fine. Okay, yeah. everybody, hold on. We've got to take a quick break. We will be back with more on last night's debate. We'll be taking your calls. The number is four one six three six zero zero seven forty. Toll free one eight six. Six seven forty four seven forty, and we will return. Fight back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Uh, we're talking about the election. We're talking about the debate. The numbers to call 416-360-0740. Toll free 1-866-740-4740. Uh, what did you make of it? Anything to change your mind? And uh, before the break, uh, I asked this question of our NDP friend, but let's throw it back out to you. Uh, do these really important issues matter in this election, Mike? It's, you know, I, w- I would love to say it's more, you know, Kim Campbell once said, you know, uh, elections aren't a place to discuss uh, serious policy <laughs> issues. And she was roundly mocked for that. And probably the, the election results that followed uh, that comment are, are part of the reason uh, it's come to be viewed that way. But it really isn't a, a time when serious policy discussions take place. Um, the the parties are, are, it becomes so much about the leader uh, through provincial campaigns. And I think uh, on voters are really making decisions based on uh, something on a more gut level. Instinctually, who do you think is going to help make your life better? Who's, uh, you know, that's one. Uh, The other great is uh, for folks who've decided that the current government isn't for them, then it's it's as much about voting someone out as it is voting someone in. So uh, to to the extent there's policy ideas that are put forward, I mean, the Liberal Party, uh, arguably, with this last budget, has put forward the most ideas, the most things that one could vote for um, because it, it was a, a wish list uh, you know that uh, no you know my kids and their kids will ultimately pay for but um, there's a lot of things to vote for if, if you wanted it uh, uh, but, well, but so sorry. I just so I just I'll just say it, it, I don't think policy is the underpinning of decision making in this coming election and I, I think in this uh, this coming election we have two leaders of the three who are very polarizing Doug Ford is very polarizing. Either you really like him or you don't like him. And Kathleen Wynne has become polarized uh, too as well with a lot of – and she's wearing a lot of 15 years of, of, of liberal baggage as happens when you know, you've been in government for a while. So I think because those are big personalities and it's polarizing, 
it tends to obscure the issues. Ontario elections usually are fought on jobs in the economy, health care, and education. Those are the big three provincially, and, and those, are, those are the things where money is spent, uh, most of the money is spent in Ontario. But it really has been uh, obscured by the personalities uh, of, uh, of those two leaders right now. Now, you were telling me earlier that uh, in your circle of liberal friends, all seem to agree that this election campaign is a uh, is a bit of a disaster. Well, it's a bit early yet. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm, okay, that, uh, maybe disa- not as disaster disasters, is a big word. Disaster is your word, not my word, and uh, and the writ hasn't come down yet. So tomorrow. Uh, so let's uh, let's uh, let's just say there's lots of time uh, left, but. We need a clearer message. Uh, we need a party leader to show up, not an assistant deputy minister. And uh, we need uh, to also tell people what we're going to do for the next four years. So those are the type of things that need to happen. So we need uh, a certain, certainly a, a greater degree of clarity and a little bit more oomph. So uh, hopefully we'll see that in the next 30 days. Mike, are you laughing there? <laughs> well, you know, like dancing on the head of a needle. Um, I, I, I agree that uh, Kathleen probably has the, the toughest road uh, here, uh, you know, t- toughest path to, to, to election and winning this election. And it is because of all that baggage. And, and look, we've all seen the polling. And a lot of Ontarians seem, you, you've, you described her as polarizing, but a lot of people are really uh, don't want to see Kathleen win for a whole variety of reasons, uh, continue in the current job she's in. So uh, they need to find something. They didn't get a bump from the from the the budget, other than one rogue poll. Uh, so there's a huge challenge. But look, there's big challenges for Andrea Horvath too, and I'm sure Andrew will have a view on this. Uh, she she can't win on policy because the, the, she has a carbon copy of the Liberal platform, and it's it's the same same offering. Uh, she might be able to win on personality because I think she does come across well, and people like her generally. Uh, but then there's a huge challenge. That that the NDP brand, uh, I'm not sure that there's a lot of liberal voters who are willing to go as far as switching that vote to NDP. So there's a real risk of people sitting really? on their... You're not sure about that? I'm not what sure. What about so-called soft liberals? People well, who want change but don't like Doug? The, well, look, that's who they need to get, but there's still a real risk of people sitting on their hands. Um, you know, it's crazy to say, and I... And I I get so upset when people bring up the name of Mike Harris, but I'll go back even further and bring up the name of Bob Ray. And certainly among among some voters, that's still uh, as a stigma that sticks around the NDP brand. And so um, figuring out how to reposition that brand uh, through this election will be uh, one of the challenges. I, I want to take a couple of calls, but speaking of Mike Harris, so the, the, the Facebook ads that started following me around on the Internet this morning, it had Doug Ford in the foreground with Stephen Harper and... And, and Mike Harris in the background, and I forget what the cut line was, uh, but it was something like, uh, do you really believe that there won't be cuts? Uh, let's hear from Julius in Scarborough. Hi, Julius. Oh, uh, good afternoon, Ms. Nimer. A very good show today. Thank I'm, you. I'm going to be quite brief. Good. And uh, it's going to be in the vein of Kim Campbell that was just mentioned. For me personally, I don't need uh, a debate. I don't need a campaign. I know exactly the party I'm going to vote for because of party philosophy. So why do we have all this noise and air and time? I know we do sort of have to play it out, but... Yeah, I, it's called democracy, a, a Julius. <laughs> I'm all for it. I'm all for it. But I don't need a debate to change my mind. Okay. Your so, mind's made up. Did you watch the debate? 
Well, I, when was it on, actually? <laughs> Last night. What time? My neighbor couldn't find it either. Oh, well, it was on a on-the-air on channel. 6.15 it started. Oh, okay. But anyway, the, the point is, I know the party I'm going to vote for every election. I know what they stand for. I know who not to vote for. Advanced polls Juli- have uh, Julius's name written all over them. Yeah, get it over what, with, Julius. What did he say? <laughs> he said advanced polls. <laughs> you can get yeah, it over early. with. Yeah, I can do that. Vote yeah. early, vote off. Okay, and thanks. thank you. I'm Julius signing off. Okay, Julius. Uh, Jim in Hanover. Hello, Jim. Hello. Yeah, I'm like Julius. I couldn't find it on the TV either. Well, uh, so, anyway, so I do have one question. Yes. I remember when, back in the 70s and 80s, uh, Ontario's final uh, financial status was rated as triple A, minus A, plus B, and all this stuff. And uh, what do we have now? What do we rate you at now? I I don't know the numbers, but I I know Moody's and, and others have uh, have recently downgraded uh, it a few points. Uh, it's few on points Credit Watch. It's on Credit Watch. I it's think, on Credit Watch. It's not. Uh, I think it's double A. Yeah, on I think Credit it's Credit Watch recently. Uh, but has in the last six years maintained whatever the normal Ontario rating is, if I can put it that way. It's it's double A two. Yeah, but there's a credit watch. I heard somebody mention it. It was not even in the A's. Nope, that's how bad we were. No, 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 nope, nope. Uh, Oh, I think there might be one. Uh, DBRS, short-term, not long-term, that is a, a B1, I'm reading here. Uh, but most of them are in the A. Standard & Poor's is A+. Um, okay, I uh, hope that answers your question, Jim. Yeah, what well, about... shows you how much we've deteriorated, doesn't it? Um, what, so what's your take on the debate? Uh, I couldn't said I couldn't get it. Oh, okay. <laughs> couldn't find it. We're very clear. Okay, thanks for that. Okay, thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. All right. Uh, so where do we go from here? First of all, uh, the one thing uh, that, you know, one of our callers said he thought it was nasty of Andrea Horvath to keep saying to Doug Ford, come clean and tell us what your what your agenda is and what you're going to cut. I thought that was just about the smartest thing that she said. What do you think, Mike? Look, uh, I think uh, every, every conservative who seeks election is accused of having a secret agenda. This is this is right out of the uh, the progressive, the liberal NDP playbook. You know, where is that secret agenda? But wait a minute, wait a minute. He's he I, said I no layoffs. He's adding to health care. He's adding to mental health. He's adding to a whole list sure. of files. And he says all of this is coming from quote efficiencies. It's a, it's a little you know. No, I think I. I I'm laughing because I don't think there's a secret agenda. I don't think there's an agenda. I mean, this guy just got in. He hasn't spent a minute in the Ontario legislature. He really doesn't know provincial issues in any depth. And uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done there. In In fairness to him... I would be no different if I was thrown in that spot, or I don't think you right. would either. So, right. so it, I'm not saying it from a wildly partisan perspective, but there really is no agenda. Well, we'll wait and see how that plays out over the next two or three so, weeks. So, Mike, uh, you know how how is he going to pay for all of that? Or I, I think what he's getting across is an idea that he's going to bring a different attitude to Queens Park. 
what he's doing effectively is is identifying the problem areas, and that's what's resonating with uh, with Ontarians. Uh, that's why he he is where he is in the polls today. I think when he talks about uh, electricity rates and doing better by that, and he points out that some executives are just making way too much money, that isn't a policy answer as to how you're going to fix electricity rates. But I think he's identifying a problem and a sentiment that resonates with people, and they're willing to trust someone else to have their hand at the tiller versus the current government, because they think that we can do better. Uh, Andrew, just a minute. Andrew, um, what would you like to leave us with on this? Andrew, are you there? Go ahead. Yeah, I'm here. Go ahead. What would you like to leave us with? Well, I think a lot of this campaign is going to come down to trust and and which leader can can build that trust uh, over the course of this campaign. And and we've in within that trust a, a coherent policy uh, platform that's going to connect to voters. I think that that you saw Andrea sort of take that step forward last night. I saw the other leaders trying to. Um, we're, run, we're running out of time there. Yeah. So trust. I think okay. we're coming down to trust here. Okay, Bob, you get the last word quickly, please. I think it's going to be a very interesting election. I wish them all the best. Okay, that's perfect. That's all the time we have for Fight Back for today. There will be much more election coverage. Now, um, I'm going to be off for the next couple of days shooting the Zoomer TV, and then I am going to collect an honorary degree, a big honor, um, in Niagara Falls, New York. So, uh, Jane Brown will be here for the rest of the week, and I will catch up with you on Monday. And that's all the time we have for Fight Back for today. And we now break for traffic and news. By the way, thank you to our panel, Andrew Cash, Mike Van Solen, and Bob Richardson. Thank you. Traffic and news, please. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.